Hey listeners, quick question. Are you tired of overpaying for your mobile plan? I've got the answer. Ting Mobile. Ting Mobile is all about flexibility and savings. You only pay for what you use, no crazy fees or overages. It's perfect for those who want control over their phone bill without s- sacrificing quality. Say goodbye to bloated phone bills. Go to foxcitiesmm.com slash ting. Ting Mobile. Mobile that makes sense. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric Waltigans. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, once again, we've got nothing to banter about, so what do you got we for don't? us? We don't? Nothing? Oh, well, do you want to banter? No, well, I guess not. Did we announce <laughs> your book on? Yeah, we announced your book on Fox City's, right? Did we? I don't know. Probably. Okay. Should we should we announce it anyway? Yeah, let's announce it anyway. <laughs> okay. That's you. Oh, well, uh, so I recently, by the time you hear this, it'll have been like a month ago, but I recently signed a contract for my 11th book. I now have to start counting on my toes. Um, my 11th book, which is actually, by sheer coincidence, actually very much related to today's Fox City's Murder and Mayhem podcast. Really? Yes, because the book is about uh, brothels, uh, houses of ill fame in Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, uh, throughout the Midwest. And today is Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. It's about brothels. So, nice. Not not one that's going to be in that book, but um, similar topic, as a matter of fact. So, and when does that book drop? You expect it to be out? I would say early 2023. I have until September 2022 to write it. So as long as the editors don't, you know, spend a year on it, uh, I imagine it'll be ready early next year. Very cool. We're all very excited for it to come out. I am very excited for it to come out. Everybody catch up on all of Gavin's other books before that drops. Yeah, do that. Uh, I wish I could stop, but I... I have this weird compulsion, so I have to keep writing books <laughs> and doing podcasts. Yeah. So, yeah, you're stuck with me for a while yet. All right. So, well, we kind of talked about what the, today's topic is yes. going to be about, so you can just jump right into the brothel. Yes. Okay. So, now, again, when people hear this, it'll have been a month ago. But for you and me here in the present which is the past to them. <laughs> you, you and me are in the present. Um, this week, I'm going to be in Sheboygan, doing a presentation in Sheboygan. And I decided I was going to do a couple stories that were Sheboygan-related. Um, and then, I'll, you know, I'll do some of my other mafia material while I'm there. But, but I like to tie it in, you know, so they don't feel left out. And so one of those stories is... A Sheboygan brothel story. Cool. And for the purposes of Fox City's Murder and Man, we've decided that we're very loose on how we're using Fox City's because Sheboygan's definitely not Fox City's. But But um, we're just going to tell you good stories. We're just going to tell you good stories. Um, And this is a story of our good friend, Louis Fazio, who we previously talked about um, in the parole or pardon scandal with the attorney from Appleton. Mm -hmm. Um, 
with the governor, Governor Kohler, another Sheboygan guy, coincidence. And um, and Louis Fazio had been in prison for murder. Um, if you want to read more about that, that's now up on the website as well. We didn't cover the, the murder here on the podcast or on the other podcast, the Milwaukee Mafia podcast, but it is on the website. But before he was a murderer, he was a child trafficker. Oh, God. This guy's full of good th- good things, huh? He is uh, a fascinating character. Murderer, gambler, child trafficker, burglar. He, you know... If if crime was a bingo card, this guy's a winner <laughs> all the way. He's got the blank out. Yeah, he's yeah. got the blank out on the on the bingo card of crime. Um, yeah, probably even some other crimes. That, nasty guy. Uh, which for those people who listen to Milwaukee Mafia podcast, he's going to come up again later because ultimately he dies. Um, but he doesn't die in today's podcast episode because this time he's a child trafficker. <laughs> So Louis Fazio uh, hangs out in Milwaukee with his buddies, um, Mike Migna, who his real name is Mariano Migna, but Mariano is, nobody likes that name. So they just call him Mike, who happens to be an attorney, um, but not a very clean attorney, a very shady attorney. And his other friend, Salvatore Galliano, who doesn't like the name Salvatore Galliano, so he goes by Teddy Cap. Um, or sometimes Teddy Cap, the singing bartender, because that's how he makes his living is bartending and singing. Apparently, you get bigger tips if you sing while you bartend. And they would advertise this in the newspaper. They would be like, "This weekend, Teddy Cap, the singing bartender." Like he would, he didn't just have like one bar he worked at. He would travel around and sing at different bars and bartend. Was this very unique to him, or was this a very common thing that people did? I don't then? know. I, I mean, I don't know if it was a common thing, but uh, I don't think a lot of them got advertised. Like, that's a reason to come to the bar. Uh, he seems pretty much on his own with that. Maybe not, but but definitely I find it odd that you would advertise a bartender in the newspaper, but they did. Anyway, so these three guys um, are pretty shady guys. Louis is by far the most shady, but they're all pretty questionable. And, you know, they hang out at bars like you do. And some guys who hang out at bars are perfectly normal guys. And then other guys who hang out at bars who are shady and they're there for shady reasons. And that's these guys. Once upon a time, sometimes young women, and I use women very loosely here because we're talking 14, 15-year-old girls. um, You know, they were troublemakers. They'd skip school, they'd drop out of school, and they'd start hanging around the bars. Does that still happen? Yeah, it probably still happens. But uh, generally, I think we've gotten better about not letting teenagers into bars. But they didn't used to be very good about that, so that would happen. And these guys would notice that. They would say, hey, look at that, look at that girl over there. She doesn't look like she should be in a bar. <laughs> she looks like she should be in high school. And so they go and they make friends with her. And they say, hey, how would you like a job? And the girl, of course, is like, well, I'm planning on running away from home. Um, I like hanging out at bars. Um, I could use a little money. And this, I don't know if it was a common thing, but they did it a few times. So it apparently happens. And they would then say, okay, 
we got a job for you. We'll drive you to the job. They'll get you set up. And they're really vague about what the job is going to be. So they get the girl. They take her in their car in the three guys. Sometimes they have another guy with them, a guy named Nick Gentile or Nick Gentili. Not sure exactly how he pronounced it. It's spelled Gentile, but I think it might be pronounced Gentili. They would drive these girls up to different places. Now, sometimes they would drive them to Appleton. And in Appleton, on the outskirts of town, there was a roadhouse. And that's what they called it, but that's not really what it was. And that roadhouse was called the Blazing Stump. (laughs) And the Blazing Stump was in the part of Appleton called Darboy. And since we're this is the Fox City's Murder and Mayhem podcast, people might actually know what Darboy is. If this was the Milwaukee Mafia podcast, I'd have to explain that. But anybody in the Appleton area probably knows what Darboy is. Can you can can you give us an idea of where in Darboy? Because I'm many of the people are probably from Appleton. So well, at this point, so yeah, this point in time is like the 1940s. So mm-hmm. there really only is one corner. In Darboy. Okay. Which today would be like the corner of N and KK. Okay. Which is like where the Darboy Club was until they tore it down. And, you know, there's there's nothing in Darboy. Now there is. There's like subdivisions there. But at this time, there's what? There's like, there's the church. There's the Silver Spur. Mm -hmm. And there's the Blazing Stump. Okay. See, my brain immediately went to that the Silver Spur was the Blazing Stump. Well, there's rumors that it might have been. Okay, so... But they deny it. Okay. The Silver Spur says it's not the same. But if it wasn't them, it was right next door. Okay. But anyway, yeah, so they'd bring this this girl in and they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a hostess at the Roadhouse. And the girl's like, great. Well, they drop her off and she's not going to be a hostess at the Roadhouse. She's going to do something else. (laughs) But what's she going to do now? She's abandoned her family. She's an underage drinker, maybe other drugs. She's now, you know, like a hundred miles from home. She's not going to call home or write them a letter. She's like, well, I'm stuck here. I don't know anybody here. I'm in Appleton. And so she gets roped into doing something that is not a hostess job, but doing uh, something much worse. I don't know how I can phrase it politely, but men show up at the Blazing Stump. They pay money to the person who runs the blazing stump and they go to a room with this girl um do the people who go to this place know that these are underage girls i don't know i don't know if they know that but some of them were and then what's the girl gonna do you know the first couple times she might protest but she's gonna go along with it and after the first couple times well now she's stuck right you know this is a this is a point in time where that's it your life is ruined you know today we would be like you were a victim of child trafficking. We got to pull you out of here. We got to we got to save you. We got to fix this up, which we should. You know, mm-hmm. like that's not cool. But back then, what are you going to do? Your life is over. Mm-hmm. So these girls were stuck in the in in that life. Another girl, they do the same thing too. They bring her just outside of Sheboygan. They bring her to the area around Plymouth, which for people who don't know, Plymouth is just a little bit west of Sheboygan. Today it's on Highway Twenty Three. I assume Highway 23 was still there at the time, but I don't know. And they had a place just out there, and it was called, I want to say, Constance's Club? This is where I'm drawing a blank, because it had a couple different names um, that they would they would switch around. 
But either way, it was a place outside Plymouth that had a basically a deal worked out with these guys from Milwaukee, and they would bring the girls up. And again, same thing. It's the Roadhouse. You're going to be a hostess. Guys are going to show up. You're going to get them a beer, whatever. And the girls either say, cool, or by this point, they might not be interested, but they're far from home. So it's kind of like, what are you going to do? So they go and they do that. Louis Fazio and these other guys, you know, they drive back and forth every couple of weeks. Sometimes they bring a new girl. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just go and they collect a percentage of the money. For anyone who doesn't know, that's how pimping works. Uh, You get paid for doing absolutely nothing other than supplying women or girls to these questionable places. Uh, In theory, you're providing protection, but these guys weren't even doing that. They were just dropping them off. So, it, and they apparently had arrangements with multiple places to do they this. They did. So They did. Do, so we, do we know how many people they did this with? We don't. Um, I'm only aware of a handful, like four or five. I assume it's much larger than that. But it only comes out when one of the girls actually is brave enough to go to the authorities and kind of rat these guys out. How many don't go forward i don't know and you know and she of course she when she goes to the police she tells about the other people that are in the building with her but she doesn't know who's in the other buildings and whatever Mm -hmm. so um, and a lot of them don't use real names um, because they when you work in this kind of environment a lot of times you take on a fake name you might be kitty or ruby or sandy but that's not your name so you might not even know who the person you're working with is. and But yeah, eventually the girl does come forward and she kind of explains how this whole thing worked. She was vulnerable. She gets picked up in Milwaukee and brought to this place. They'd come back every so often. They'd take a percentage of her money that, that she feels that she earned for doing something she didn't even want to do. Sometimes they would actually take her out of a place. They'd drop a new person off, take her out, move her to another place. Because another disturbing part of how this all works is a lot of customers to these places are frequent. Yeah, they're not. They're not guys who who are like, oh, I turned eighteen. I'm going to go. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. They're guys who like. This is how they have a relationship with people, which is mm-hmm. you know, that's a whole other thing, I guess. You know, but. But part of that is not everybody who goes to these places wants to see the same, same person, person every time they go. Yeah. So you have to kind of rotate where these people are. But anyway, so the one girl who was in Sheboygan or Plymouth, she goes forward. She explains the whole thing. She explains who's who's involved as far as she knows. And she doesn't even know a lot of the real names. The people running the place in Plymouth get in trouble. The people in the, at the Blazing Stump don't or initially get in trouble they do later um at first they don't really get in trouble because they're so far outside of the city limits at that time that it's like hard to enforce anything but the people in plymouth get caught the people in milwaukee get caught so mike magna louis fazio nick gentilly and teddy kip a singing bartender um they all go on trial for what at that time was called white slavery which is, you know, running women around for prostitution. They don't even really get in trouble for the fact that she's underage. They just get in trouble that it's prostitution. They get in trouble for it being prostitution. It's, it's The court system at that time is really crappy. And when they go on trial, the 
girl, and I know the name of the girl, but I'm purposely not saying mm. her name. You know, the girl is like the primary witness. And the defense attorney is just an absolute ass. Like, he's like, so you like drinking? And then she's like, yeah. Oh, you didn't get along with your parents. Yeah. Have you ever been with a, a boy before? Yeah. You know, and they do everything they can to make this girl look like she's just like the worst person. Like, these guys didn't ruin you. You were already a terrible person. Wow. And, like, the judge doesn't step in and stop this or anything. Like, this was just how you did it then. You were like, you're blaming these guys, and you would have done this anyway, wouldn't you? So it's it's bad, like, the way that the girls, especially because they're underage, but just the way they were treated. But they do ultimately get convicted, and they do spend time in prison. So like, at least there's that. Um, I'm curious what kind of... How much time do they spend in prison for doing this? I don't recall exactly. It's not a lot. Do you think it was over a year at least? It might have been over a year. I guarantee it was less than five. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. I mean, we know that Louis Fazio is back out pretty quick. Um, Teddy Cap, he gets out and to his credit, he moves out of Milwaukee and he opens a pizzeria in Green Bay. So as far as I know, he stays clean after that. Um, and it, yeah, so... But, you know, if you ever, this is a long time ago, but if you if you hit pizza in Green Bay in the 50s, <laughs> you might have been getting it from a child trafficker. <laughs> um, and yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, that's that's basically the gist of the story. Just some, some really shady guys. And the legal system did not, I mean, it worked out in the end because they went to prison, but just did not have the same way to approach to this that we would today. I mean, now everybody knows about child trafficking, human trafficking. Like, it's a pretty big deal now. But back then, like, that, they wouldn't use those words. Those are words that I'm using, but they wouldn't have called right. it that. And it's amazing just, like, how much blame they could throw on underage girls for being lured into prostitution. It was almost sounding like they were blaming them for it happening, more or less. Well, that's what the Rich, defense attorney tried to do, do yeah. It was like, like this was not, this was all you, you're doing. Yeah. And do you think that was just the mentality of people back then when something... I think to a point. Um, I mean, this is, there's a lot of overlap with... This is, I, I don't, I, I want to be very careful with this because yeah, I don't want this podcast to be super serious. Yeah, and this is, uh, this is kind of a touchy subject. Yeah, it's a touchy subject, but, um, but I don't, I don't think it's like a big secret that it used to be when somebody was assaulted, they would get blamed for what they were doing, what they, what they what were they wearing, wearing yeah. and that sort of thing. And I think we're better than that now, but that wasn't that long ago. No, yeah. And uh, and I think this is this it's different, but it's the same mentality where it's like, why did you allow yourself to get into this situation? Right. Um. Do you think? Do you have any idea? Like, okay, so the girl that eventually came forward, she mm -hmm. was the one from Plymouth, correct? Well, she's from Milwaukee, but she was in yeah, Plymouth. She yeah, she was in Plymouth. Yeah. How do you know how long she was in this life? Well, either a long time or not very long. I mean, it was a couple months. So it wasn't like years. Okay, okay, good. But I mean, even a couple months. months would be I don't horrible, know. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know how how bad that might be. Yeah, a couple months is way better than ten years, though, or something like that. I, I agree. 
I agree, but yeah, but I don't know how often guys are coming through. Maybe a month is long enough. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. But and and do you know whatever happened to her? Like, did she get over this and and was she okay for the rest of her life? I like, honestly don't oh, know. No, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I I have her name. I could probably um I could probably figure that out, but I don't know that I ever really actively looked into, into it. it. Um, I, maybe I did and I don't remember, but I don't, I don't know. And the the thing about that is she, so this is, like I said, this is like the 19, it's 1940 or 1940s. It's like early 1940s uh, and she's like 15. So it's entirely possible. She's in her nineties and alive mm-hmm. today. Wow. Really? Well, think about that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I mean, if it's 1940, that was, means she was born in 1925. It's unlikely, but she could be. She could be late 90s right now. No, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So I I don't recall if I ever looked into that or not, but I don't know what became of her. And and I think this is also, and this kind of goes over to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. But I'm going to venture to guess that a lot of people that listen to this podcast listen to the Milwaukee Mafia mm-hmm. podcast. But we talk about like how. Louis Fazio, right? Yeah. Was a Milwaukee Mafia member. Yeah. And this is something that historically has said this was not okay in the eyes of the Mafia to be doing. Right. And this is an example of somebody who, I, I don't know if the Mo- Mafia turned their eye to this, if the Mafia, mafia was part of this, but I, this yeah. is clearly something that you would think the Mafia should not be doing, but apparently this guy was involved in Right. So it kind of right. kind of shows that line that we've talked about in the past on that podcast. Right. Yeah, and I'm not going to go down that too much because that really is like an other podcast topic. Right. But but yeah, Fazio is an interesting guy in that way where he he's right in there. Like he's considered a mafia member. He knows everybody, but at the same time, he is always kind of like riding the outskirts. outskirts. Like he's he's. Doing things that are not considered okay, um, which may ultimately be why they kill him. I don't know, but but right, yeah, he might have just at some point in time stepped over a line that they just couldn't look away from. But yeah, he definitely, even though he was considered part of it, he did make a lot of enemies along the way. Not everybody thought he was that great. And, and you talked about uh, what was it? The guy that was named Mariano or something. Mar- yeah, I, Ma- I Mike Migna. Yeah, I don't think you ever talked about what happened to him. After that, because he well, went to jail for this too. Yeah, right? he went. He, was, he went to jail, and he basically, you know, he he was a lawyer for a while, but that that kind of ruined it for him. So he like got out of jail, and they let him become a lawyer. No, no, he was already a lawyer. Oh, he was already a lawyer. He was already a lawyer, but then after that, yeah, you know, he got out <laughs> of jail and just kind of disappeared. Or yeah, like, he's like, he kind of fades away after that. Um, his his brother. Um, was a doctor he actually did much better he he did okay for himself he was a very successful doctor he moved to phoenix arizona did great job but yeah i don't remember if he gets disbarred or not but definitely after you're convicted child trafficking or, you know or whatever it was called at the time yeah you don't get a lot of clients and uh, re- remind me when was this that this all happened either 1940 or early 1940s was child trafficking a common thing back then I think it was like maybe scary common, like you know. I think it was. I mean, so so here's okay. 
I'm going to go off a little bit here. And sometimes I get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think people have a misunderstanding of what child trafficking is. Um, I think in the popular imagination, child trafficking is like a guy shows up in a white van, like a Ford, a Ford Econoline, no disrespect to Ford, <laughs> show up in a Ford Econoline van, they see some girl on a playground, they snatch her, and they make her do terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the reality. Has that happened? It's probably happened. But that isn't really what how it works. It's much more subtle than that. It's, it's much more subtle than that. It's, 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 it's like this story that we just told. It's some girl, or it could be boy, but you know, some girl runs away from home. She gets addicted to heroin. And then it's like these guys say, well, we could help her. Or, or we could be like, hey, we'll keep giving you heroin if you help us out. Mm-hmm. And that's really what child trafficking is, is finding these people who are on the edges of society and exploiting it. So I think it used to be more common because we didn't have the things in place. We did not that, you know, not that it's perfect, but we didn't have the things in place to really stop that. If you dropped out of school and you did something that you shouldn't have with your life and you and nobody helped you out. You, you, just, were, you were going to get caught up. Lost. You're kind of yeah. lost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that's a, like I get in, I get in trouble for that because because for saying that because people are like, oh no, I don't want my kid to get taken and and trafficked and and you know I'm not like rude about it, but I'm like if if your kid is coming home from school every day, if if they're doing all right, they're not you know out there getting arrested all the time. I don't think you're going to get child trafficked. Like that isn't really what child trafficking is. And and to add to what you're saying, like listening to the way this this uh, uh, prosecution was it the prosecution attorney the way he attacked her and the, de- her the defense was oh yeah, sorry the defense yeah. kind of shows like suggests that I mean I think that's a great symbol today if if a defense lawyer were to do that mm-hmm. I feel like. I mean, that guy would never work again because right. people would just shun him for what he did. Right. But apparently back then, that was an acceptable way to defend his clients. Right. And so I think there was a much different, there's a much different stigma about child trafficking than today than there was back then. Right. You well, know? yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I mean, back then, if... If you were involved in prostitution, even at no fault of your own, you know, even if it wasn't something you chose to do, you're done. I mean, everyone is going to tell you, whether it's true or not, everyone's going to tell you, you're never going to get a job. You're never going to get a husband. You're done. You know, mm-hmm. like, like no, no one's going to want you. You're junk. And I mean, and I don't mean to be a jerk about how I'm saying it. I'm just saying that that's what they would have said. And, uh, and, 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 and I don't think, I mean, that's still... Some people are going to say that now, but I think we've gotten a lot better, better about that. Yeah, I think so too. Like, and I think that when you hear something like that happens now, you you feel horrified for that person. Right. You don't feel right. You don't feel like, oh, stay away from me. Like, right. You know. So, oh, that was kind of a depressing story. I'm sorry. But, I didn't but, mean it to be depressing, <laughs> but that's but that's that's the truth of the matter. Is just. Um, you know, whether it's mafia stories or not, a, 
a lot of crimes are not happy stories. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we joke a lot, but they're honestly, they're not. But this is really not a good one to joke about. No. I, I can't really find anything, you know, funny no, to I'm say No, I'm not, I'm not going to do, you know, it's even though I, I freely admit I have an inappropriate sense of humor. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make any jokes about the situation because even though this is, you know, 80 years ago or whatever it is now, it's not funny. Yeah, it's and never funny. It's yeah. never funny. So, all right. Well, and when did you say you're doing this uh, show? Is it, you said this week? Well, yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, I know that it's not. Well, the people be... listening don't, it doesn't yeah. matter to them. Yeah. I guess we can't say, so. I can't even, I can't <laughs> plug it. I wish I, wish I, I wish I could, but because, because of the fact that we record like a month ahead of time, I, and, I can't plug it. So. Yeah. So I guess we'll just cut that part out. So. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add to this one, or no? Uh, I mean, like, I guess I'm sorry that it was not not a happy one where we can joke about murder. Which uh, again, you probably shouldn't joke about that, but we do. But um, but I think it's a story that needs to be heard because I think people need to realize that this did happen around here and could be happening around here right now. That's true. You know, that that's I think true. That's a good eye opening story for people to realize. You're that. right. And that's, and actually you remind me of another theme that I like to bring up when I do, when I do talks is that um, we have, we as a society, we have this idea of like the good old days and you know, some of that, you know, it's probably true, but terrible things have always, always happened. happened. Yep. Uh, you know, girls getting kidnapped and forced into terrible lifestyles that they don't want. Um, that's not a thing that happens now. It's a thing that's always happened. happened. Yeah. And uh, so it's not like, oh, you know, the 40s, They were that was the best time ever. No, there were some crappy things <laughs> happening in the 40s, believe me. And I think that's a very, very good point to think about so yeah i mean i i like to believe that overall things get better but yeah some things are always bad and probably always will again sorry that's a bad note no it's just we're not being funny this time but but yeah well and i think that's a good point to point out like people think about god things are so bad now and it's like or were they always there and we just weren't aware of them. We're just more aware well, of them yeah. happening now. We're more educated about the terrible things that happen in society. No, it's true. I, and I tell, I, this is this is the thing I tell people. I'm like, the the FBI keeps track of violent crime statistics. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's something they investigate or not, they keep track of the statistics. And the most violent time in American history, at least in recent American history, the last hundred years, was the 70s and 80s. Really? Yeah. See, now that I would not have pegged. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about that statistic is not the 70s and 80s were very violent, because that's not cool. But then the 70s and the 80s, everybody let their kids run around, Rounded. do whatever the heck they wanted <laughs> at all hours of the night. And now today, which now that, now that again, not that today is perfect, but statistically, the violent crime rates are much lower now than they were in the 70s and 80s. Really? Yes. That's interesting. But nobody is letting their kids go anywhere without checking in constantly. Maybe the crimes are down because nobody lets their kids go out and do whatever they that want. That is certainly possible. <laughs> that is certainly possible. But so. but yeah, I always find that weird that the, that the, the, the era that you and I were growing up in was statistically more violent 
than it is today. And I don't know about you, but as long as I was home by a certain time, I could be anywhere throughout that day. So That's weird. Yeah. That is really crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of scary to think about that we grew up at one of the most violent times in American history. Yeah, I mean, the last hundred years. We're from, I mean, we're from a smaller town area, so, so it's so not it's, like it's yeah, terrible, but, but but that's just an interesting little. But like, oh, you're 12 years old. Here, take take the bus, go to the mall, spend the day at the mall, come home, come home. If well, you don't ever show up, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do? And and like remembering as a kid, I don't know. But a lot of times when I did that stuff, I don't even know if I told my parents I w- where I was going or anything like that. Yeah. So they knew. Right. They just, you know, you just went and yeah. hopefully you came back. So, yeah. So, all right. We're really going off on we're a going, tangent, We're going so, way off. So we're we'll, going, wrap, we'll wrap this up. We're going up. way off. But, I, but the point I'm making there is the perception that we get from the media and the perception that we get from the actual numbers, it's not always the, the same. same. Like the newspaper and the Facebook and everything else might scare us, but things are actually there were some worse times yeah. <laughs> and we didn't even know it <laughs> so all right um as usual if you enjoy this podcast please leave us a positive review on whatever podcast player you use and we will be back in two weeks with another episode thanks everybody for tuning in all right thank you very much thanks for tuning in to fox city's murder and mayhem join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of murder and mayhem 